Hey folks, welcome to a podcast about Catholic things. This is Eric, the ambassador of common sense, and I'm here with... Dan, the ambassador of nonsense. And uh, by the way, the, the beer of the week is from New Belgium Brewing of uh, uh, Colorado and uh, North Carolina. It's actually in both places, and the beer is The Hemperer. We're going to have a beer of the week? We're going to have a beer of the week. And this beer contains, it says, no traceable amounts of THC or CBD. So in in one sense, um, you know, maybe we're kind of reaching out to the West Coast there. But, you know, they they say that on the box. It's just for taste. It's weird that they uh, have to say that. Well, what do you mean it's just for taste? There's alcohol in it, right? Well, yeah, the alcohol's there, but but the hemp is just for taste. Oh, it's hemp beer. Yeah, hemperer. Hemp oh. beer. Yeah, it has okay. hemp, just no THC Who the heck or, likes or the t- taste of hemp? <laughs> well, <laughs> I have to admit to kind That's of liking weird. the smell of it. <laughs> I've tasted hemp, and it doesn't taste good. <laughs> you don't like, well, you know, if you tasted hops, you probably wouldn't like the taste of that either, to tell you the truth. Actually, I, I'm getting to where I really don't even care for the taste of beer. <laughs> for a lot of guys, okay. that's like a sin, but mm-hmm. I, I just like kind of lost the taste of some kind. alcoholic beverage. Well, you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. As long as you don't get to the point where you're, you know... A teetotaler? Like, well, it's okay for your, you to teetotal, but, but don't be judgy and, and hateful towards us. Huh? You know, exactly. Every week I mean, I'm going to come up with a you, go, reason not to drink. Go, go join one of those, those Quaker groups or something like that if you want to be preachy yeah. about it. Yeah. Well, I'm looking okay. into it, so. All right, what do we, <laughs> this week we're going to talk about uh, millennials. Millennials, and the snowflake generation. Why are they so, and, and okay. actually, are they wimpy? Is, well, you know, that's is there a, really a problem here? Is it is it wimpiness, or is it just that, that, that whatever sense of spine they have is misdirected, and it comes out as wimpy to us? Or maybe they're just lazy. Well, that could be, too. But, you know, I, I heard some statistics about millennials that they're more, let's say socially involved uh than other groups but you know does it is it that could still be a laziness that. i don't know well, it could still be a, a laziness because you can be socially involved by getting together with a group of fa- friends and having fr- fun doing projects together mm-hmm. you can be socially involved by hopping onto your computer and firing off tweets yeah that's they think they're involved that way yeah yeah they think because but, they know, tweet they're involved but uh, I've, I've met them who are like that. Yeah, that's there. There are a lot of them like that. You know, but, I was uh, uh, I was talking to this millennial, and uh, she goes to the college here at UC, and she was in one of the local, I don't know, Starbucks or something. Mm-hmm. And out of the blue, I guess this guy came in who I guess he was he looked a little bit older than college age, and there was a bum in there, or at least someone who looked like a bum, mm-hmm. kind of sitting there. And the guy attacked him and just started beating the hell out of him. Whoa, wait a minute. And this isn't a college. This is UC. There are lots of guys around who are big college-age kids. College beating, the cr- beating up this bum? Yeah. Wow. They didn't say anything. There wasn't an argument first. He just came up and started wailing on him. And I said, well, were there other people there, like other guys who could assist she said, yeah, there was a bunch of people there. I said, what I did they do? I bet they all do? pulled out their cell phones, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah, they Started got their recording. phones out. Yeah. I'm, What's I'm not wrong with intervene. people that they would do that? I'm going to pull out my cell phone. That's the socially responsible thing to do, right? I'll pull out my cell phone and record yeah, it. Yeah, I'll I record can this. Then I it on and Twitter. Then, and then I could make people know so that people have hey, knowledge of it. Look look how look how evil this is that, that people can do this to somebody else. And now I've done the socially, I've I've become involved socially, haven't I? Yeah, I... That's kind of despicable, actually. I mean, it that, is, that, absolutely. You know, and I, you, I mean, I have to... I, okay, if that happened 20 years ago, the college kids of that age, would they have gotten involved? You know, I I like to think that, that at least a, a lot of the college-age kids that I know would have. And, and let me be clear here. I went to Rose Holman, which is a great school for engineers. But, yeah. you know, the the... the most of the guys that I've met after getting out of school who I find out, oh, yeah, they also went to Rose Holman. If you meet them, you kind of think cave dweller, not not in the sense that that uh, that they're uh, low brow 
or anything like that, but in the sense that, that they tend to have kind of like the pasty skin, the kind of people who look like they don't really get out much. They, you know, yeah. uh, kind of the, you know, you, you might they look think like softy, engineers, softy, you know, well, yeah. you know, but I mean, like compared to say engineers from Purdue who don't have that same look. Um, I... But here's the thing. The guys that I went to college with at Rose Holman, they would have intervened in something like that. In spite of being nerd engineers, I would have intervened. You know, I, I can't imagine not inter. At least, yeah. It's maybe, like, dude, what are you doing? Even if you're just, even if you just talk, try to talk him down. Mm-hmm. But I would have. You yell from him a distance. Hey, get away from him. You know, whatever. Yeah, I I would have gotten in. Okay, so uh, multiple levels of wimpishness in the millennial generation. What is going on? I hear some people blame. Uh, the attack dog feminism that has been kind of up front for the past, I don't know, 20 years, maybe 30 mm-hmm. years. Yep. Where, where men, cause we did a show about whether or not men were toxic and, or toxic masculinity oh, right. and what it is. Right. And, um, yeah. And by the way, this if, wimpishness, that's the new masculinity. That's the non-toxic, I guess. Yeah. I mean, if, if men are taught to, to stand up and fight is is toxic, then what, what do you expect your boys are going to do? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I think it goes beyond that. When you bring up feminism, um, one of the interesting, um, interesting in the sense that it's self-defeating and kind of, uh, I want to say paradoxical, but but uh, not, not just paradoxical, paradoxical, but truly self-contradictory aspects of feminism is that its aim has seemed to be from the beginning to eliminate the idea of femininity, the, to eliminate the idea that women are different. Well, yeah. if you want to eliminate that, you also have to eliminate the idea that men are different. And so Certainly. a key teaching, a, a key um, strategy of feminism has to be to reshape masculinity to look just like whatever their model is of femininity and both of them end up losing it and and that's the thing it's not like okay these toxic men are acting like women they're not because you know what 20 years ago women would have stepped in too if they had seen that right but they would have stepped in for different reasons and with and 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 different internal mechanisms that would have prompted that than men but the point is you destroy femininity and masculinity you try to destroy everything that differentiates them and what you end up doing is destroying what lets men contribute as men to, say, society, and what lets women contribute as women. You got a bunch of uh, this group of millions of people who are all androgynous. Yeah, yeah, that's that. That's that's the kind of millennial wimpishness we're looking at. It's this kind of uh, androgyny that doesn't stand either as a man or as a woman. I. I sometimes uh, would this. What do you think about this? There are lots of men out there who simply act that way or have trained themselves to act that way because they think that's what women want. Women want sensitive men, and mm-hmm. they will okay. get further with a woman if they act like this, and it just becomes part of their person. I think that's that happens. Yeah, I don't think it's it's all the, that happens, but you know. <laughs> What's kind of interesting is that, yes, it happens, uh, but, okay, what's going on? When that's happening, it's kind of the exception that's proving the rule. It's like, okay, wait a minute, that's men acting like men in response to a misrepresented uh, face of womanhood. And it, mm-hmm. it kind of reinforces, if you could analyze it and see that for what it is, it reinforces the idea that, wait a minute, there really are differences between men and women, and they would do a lot better to embrace that. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, you know, the worst part about this is I, I don't know if there's, I don't know if there's a solution that we can, uh, that, that we can take any practical moves on, even as a society, even if we were all agreed on it. I don't know if there's any, any way to fight this problem um that we can actually do well you know not not maybe perhaps on a broad uh socially um applicable scale um other than praying for the church to you know kind of recover and resume its its own balance 
um, mm-hmm. to, to try to be more of a model of leadership for both men and women. But there's another, I think, cause of this modern millennial snowflake phenomenon. And I don't know how extensive it is. It's kind of awkward. And, and I'm going to, I'll say what it is and then I'll say why it's awkward for me to talk about. And it's this. I think parents, I think the pre-millennial parents, the ones who are raising these wimpish millennials, I think part of the blame lies with them and a certain wimpishness on their part. And the wimpishness that I think they are exhibiting is this idea or somehow this feeling that they have to get affirmation from their children, that somehow they have to be, I'm going to use the word cool in their kids' eyes in order to have a feeling that they're worthwhile in their kids' lives. That they're good parents. Exactly. And now, I mean, think of our parents. Did our parents worry one whit about being cool in our lives? I mean, in our eyes? In our eyes? They they probably would feel like failures if we thought they were cool. <laughs> probably. <laughs> now, the irony is that we actually think our parents are really cool, but... Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, we, we, we look at some of their quirks and sometimes we talk about, uh, you know, maybe that, that, uh, oh yeah, dad always does this or mom always does that, whatever. But the thing yeah. is we, we, we've developed, you know, as adults, we see, oh wow, our parents, wow. that you know, the, the, uh, the level of strength and so on and so forth that they've shown throughout their parenthood right. is tremendous and a model to be, uh, pursued for our own yeah we stand back in admiration at it and yeah strive to be more like that um but nothing that they've ever did was calculated to look cool in our eyes that that you know they they were confident they were strong they they had confidence in their own sense of uh you know manhood womanhood parenthood right they had their own groups of friends um you know yeah, they, they didn't, didn't try to hang like, out with our friends. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's, I think these pre-millennial parents, our generation, uh, many of them somehow decided that they need to be cool to their kids, their kids' friends, and so forth, in order to, I don't know, feel like they were doing life right. And now, here's why it's awkward for me to talk about, because the fact is I am in many ways pretty cool to my kids but it's not because i feel like i need to be cool to my kids it's just because my kids happen to have a lot of the same for example sense of humor that i do so when i think Mm -hmm. something's funny they tend to think it's funny too when they think it's funny i tend to think it's funny too but i'm uh you know see this is awkward for me um because i don't know if i should say anything or not but i hear your kids talk when you're not around (laughs) you what I hear your kids talk when you're not around. And they think dad's such a goober and and, and they talk about yeah, dad they, jokes and stuff like that. You're not as cool as you think you are, dude. <laughs> well, see, there you go. Okay, I don't try and I don't make the grade. <laughs> yeah. So maybe what that means is that I have polite kids who, who are saving my feelings. <laughs> they are very polite. Or at least they think they're saving my feelings. <laughs> But, you know, I think there are a lot of people, our generation, who went down that path with parenting. And I think the result, at least in part, is this millennial weakness that kids have. The thing is... um... Oh, and why does this cause wimpishness among millennials? It's because then with their parents as the, say, most prominent, you know, people that, that they kind of associate with growing up, they come to think that... In order to be right, the whole world has to be uh, cool to them. The whole world has to be their kind of world. And if it isn't, then there's something wrong with it. And they just shy away from it. And, and you know, they have that sense of selfishness that leads to the kind of, of wimpishness that we're seeing. That's that's a theory I'm putting out there. Yeah. A hypothesis. And I'm sure, actually, there's, there's probably a whole host of reasons. <laughs> and I don't think you'll ever be able to point to one reason and say, this is it. This is where we went Probably wrong. not. Um, know, I think, you know, there's, there's I think it's a, a maybe in part, I, I think a lot of the so-called reasons are, I think I, I'm one of those guys who is a believer in the, um, 
the enemy, as Jesus spoke of him, the devil, creating plans and trying to bring about the fall of the church yeah. within world history, within time and within society. And I think this is the latest round. Whatever this, yeah. the collection of reasons are, I think this is the latest round. And that's why I said I think really the only thing we can really do is pray for the church and work to build up the church, rebuild the church. I wonder, speaking of the church, I wonder if the if a certain amount of people looked in the church's history and looked at times of persecution mm-hmm. where Christians were arrested and put to death and Christians didn't decide to raise up an army. Instead, they they hid from the law as much as they could. And if they were discovered, they refused to give up their religion and they were put to death and they did that bravely and i wonder if there's kind of a warped sense of lay down and let people walk all over you and that's how you're that's how you maintain peace and Mm. eventually you win that way by allowing evil to happen kind of like a mahatma gandhi thing right i Hmm, could be could be that's that's you know it would be tempting to think that and it would even be tempting to not only think that that that's what's going on that that people have sort of developed that yeah, as you say warped sense of peace it would even be tempting to kind of internalize and pursue that as yeah. a a means to a better peace if and this is a great big if if some of the trends of in the church today, and I'm talking about certain bishops out there. Right. I'm talking about certain things that even we've heard from the Pope. If the trends we've heard today did not have this uh, feel to them of trying to change the church into something that it should never be. Yeah. Yeah. I and and I I don't again. Uh, I just when I think about that, I think it's not it's not exactly what Christians did in history and mm-hmm. um also it, it's not it's a warped uh strategy it's yeah. not yeah it, it's it's what it, it, it's the, like think, an evil version right. of that strategy because christians have always done whatever they could do in order to promote the church to grow the church to strengthen the church to spread the faith and so forth but and if Only there was a society, if there was a society that could fight for the church, they did. Yeah, right, right. It's it's only when they were up against, okay, you know, there there's no other option. It's either give up my faith or face penalties, punishments, including death, that they took that course. Right. And even in cases where it's like, um, in cases where you're, say, put in a situation where, like, uh, okay, let's the uh, gladiators. Mm-hmm. You know, they nab a Christian, make him a gladiator, shove him in there, and we've seen this in movies. And the gladiator said, "No, I'm a Christian. I can't fight." Yeah, this is a case where he's being asked to fight for his own gain. Right, right, for his and life over the other gladiators. Even if someone were going, even if the, all the Christians, which there weren't many at first, were going to band together and say, let's fight the government and take over the government so that we don't have to hide anymore. That wouldn't have been at all prudent because they wouldn't have won. Right. Right. And that's, yeah, that's exactly. And, and, you know, the same thing. As opposed to the world saying, let's stop this guy named Hitler and band together and fight and kill people. And they did. I mean, they fought a war. And like you said, they killed people to do it, but it was both a reasonable, um, and a appropriate goal to go after. Yeah. And, and just as it was uh, with slavery here in America, mm-hmm. and I think someday it'll be necessary for abortion. Abortion as well. Right. Right. That's, yeah, that's uh, kind of scary because that could come in our lifetime or in our children's lifetime. And that's where, uh, even if we can't quite pinpoint the, pinpoint the source of this um, kind of, millennial snowflakiness i think it's important to try to at least identify some remedies for it right because it's it's scary to think of the fact that we're going to be depending on these people and maybe for our own lives because in addition to abortion 
uh, there's a growing. There's that other end. Exactly. The 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 society's uh, growing sense that you know what when you have become useless to us as society, it's time to uh, do away with you. That's you know you you should be uh, recycled. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of it's it's kind of funny. I don't know whether the the makers of the movie intended it to have this same kind of um, horrific uh, response that it gave me, but uh, I watched the movie Waterworld with uh, Kevin Costner, uh, Is which that, uh, kind of M. a stupid Night movie. Shyamalan movie. No, it wasn't M Night Shyamalan. This is before him. Um, Water... Oh, sure it's oh him. okay, yeah. yeah it's, I... it's, it's it's one of those movies. I think I that saw that a billion years ago. Yeah, it went so far over budget because of some of the filming problems they had, especially with some of the underwater scenes and stuff like that. But uh-huh. but the thing is, um, it, it it wasn't even really a movie worth watching. But there's this one part where this one community that the idea is that the whole Earth is covered with water, um, and and so these various communities people communities of people have survived on the surface with these floating cities or whatever. Yeah. And, and, and they have this one city and they have this idea of people being recycled. And I'm putting that in air quotes. Basically they're killed so that their, uh, you know, molecular, their, their biological content can be put into fertilizer and other things for the city. Soil and green is people. (laughs) Kind of a soil and green thing. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, you know, the, I don't know whether the movie makers intended that concept to have the horror that it had for me, but it, that's the kind of, of, uh, that's the trajectory we're on. Yeah. I, I hope it has that kind of horror for the people who are listening to us and maybe for a few people beyond that. Yeah. You know, um, the thing is, it's one thing to, uh, look at, even even a big group of people and see their failure to uh, step up and um, just take on responsibilities yeah. and take on manhood and stuff like right. that. Especially um, in, in what, what, okay, let's clearly recognize, you know, an exceptional situation versus the right. normal grind of daily life. But even then, uh, people fail. And, yeah. you know, in my own life, I can point to, some really shameful times where I didn't step up. I didn't, uh, I didn't fight when I should have fought. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't talk about them because it is shameful and I recognize it as shameful. Yeah. And we're at a weird point where that's no longer the case where, where people who lay down and give up are recognized as, or, or thought of as being uh, strong. That's it's the real so wimpishness. Yeah, that that's the real wimpishness of of the millennial generation is this idea that to fail is somehow a show of strength. Yeah, and 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 of whatever you want to call it, manliness or um, you know, appropriate. Uh, there's mm-hmm. no. They've lost the sense of shame and failure, and and they. I don't know whether it's because they can, you know, there's a whole group of people failing right along with them. And so it's just, oh, yeah, you know, here's my failure. What's your failure? You know, that kind of a yeah. thing. I, I don't know. But um, that's, yeah, that's, and I think that's the scarier aspect of it isn't that they they tend to fail. It's that they embrace it as normative. Yeah. And the, the other problem with that is that despite that uh, way of thinking, there are still we're a fallen people. And so, uh, there are still men out there, young men who have violent tendency and those men are not fought against and stopped. And so you've, you've got some millennials who are doing really violent things, you know? Yeah. And they, mm-hmm. and they think, well, if we all stop fighting, then these couple people who are really bad for society will stop and they'll see how great life could be i don't know what yeah, they're thinking I, yeah, but that's um, I, I don't we I don't, don't need the, to the thought process either punish these people and get rid of them and get them out of society instead we just keep trying to show them the right way to be by not fighting you back know, i don't even and think it's kind of like deep. the uh we I, don't we don't put people to death uh yeah. because we're better than that and it's like right well people need that now, some of them now, i don't even think it's it's that uh deeply considered though i think it's more of a uh oh hey wait a minute look at that i, I here's here's the thing that 
that um you know i i i i feel like i'm i'm one of those people that that you know like like one of those uh uh polar people that that kind of revolve around a single pole and everything is mm-hmm. about that that one idea and it's like okay well you can talk about you know a trip to the moon but it's really about this and you can talk about you know uh deep ocean exploration it's really about this okay i'm i'm one of those people and unfortunately yeah. i keep getting that way about abortion yeah i was gonna say that because I, <laughs> i'm one of those people too and i i think abortion is such a huge part of it yeah it, i think it's the idea that oh there's there's us and then there's there's the other people that aren't really worthy of being considered by us. And so there's this concept that instead of valuing them as people, instead of valuing the person who's turning violent and trying to step in and stop them and say, no, you shouldn't be that way. And, and, and kind of going for that encounter or instead of trying to stop the person who's getting beat up mm-hmm. or instead of trying to stop our own kids from going the wrong way, whatever it is, instead of stepping into that encounter for the sake of the other, we just regard it as it's not us, so it doesn't matter as much. And I think that's yeah. that's behind abortion as well. Well, that unbaby, it's not us, doesn't matter as well. That old person, it's not us, it doesn't matter as well. And as I wonder much. if there was some of that in uh, Nazi Germany. Mm-hmm. With, yep. I mean, I mean Jews, this, you know, the, Mr. Goldstein uh, yeah. down the street, it, it's not me. So uh, I better keep my mouth shut because I don't want to get in trouble. I don't know. Right. Yeah, that's and 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 so it's not I mean, well, hey, the fact that it's not us and therefore I don't consider their behaviors to matter. So what I'm going to do is pull out my phone and film it so I can get some hits on Twitter and and whatever else and get, you know, entertainment out of it. There's Mm -hmm. no shame in that because, hey, he's he's not us anyway. And I think that this the modern abortion I think that's the modern abortion mentality. Yeah, it's a shame. That's so. You know, so there I am. I'm that guy. Yeah. <laughs> so I wonder. I, I don't know. There's got to be something we can do that will at least work towards um, changing this. Yeah. I. You know. I think it starts in our own families and in the church. Yeah. That's the. You know. There's a. Uh, I recently. Uh, heard an interview and i forget what the author's name um on al cresta's show you know crest in the afternoons and he interviewed this guy who wrote a book talking about i think it was the seven revolutions of christianity um and they were kind of as he was describing them some of them were were more conceptual revolutions like the Mm -hmm. revolutionary idea that all people matter which when christianity first kind of burst forth on the scene of the Roman Empire, that was a completely revolutionary idea. Yeah, it it was a true idea within the Jewish nation and the Jewish community among the Israelites. They had that same idea amongst themselves, but even they misapplied it a lot, right? You know, yeah. the, um, you know and, and Jesus took the Pharisees to task for that and, and that kind of thing. But as kind of an idea within the Roman Empire, just this idea that all people matter including the slaves, for example, including newborn babies, for example, which back in the Roman times, if somebody didn't want a baby and had one, they would just, you know, throw it out, get rid of it. Um, yeah, maybe even it turn it into a virtuous thing and offer it up to the gods. Yeah, to the exactly. It was a, I, I don't know if they had human sacrifice in the Roman temples or not, but yeah, the, there was no concern for, well, it's just a baby, just a child, whatever. But uh and and there were several others, you know, that the, the guy of this book described. But the thing is, I think that's the idea is that is that as these things occur within society, we see it's really the church over and over again. And sometimes the church itself needs to be renewed in some way, like the um, pe- like um, uh, people refer to the Counter Reformation, which actually it was. It's kind of funny because. There was really a reform going on inside the church before the Reformation really even happened. So a lot of the changes that we character, you know, we call the Counter Reformation, weren't really a reaction to the Reformation. They were a internal renewal that were well, already underway. Okay, so when w- the Reformation, what, what period would you say that was? What century? Eighteenth, uh, nineteenth centuries. Okay. I think because I, I, I'm, you know, I'm thinking there was a lot of Henry that going VIII, on that Martin Luther. Um, okay, 
Yeah. Um, you know, during the 13th century, we had, I, I things were bad, and we had uh, St. Francis of Assisi come along, who really oh, did right. revolutionize a lot of things. Yes. And, and I guess, you know, during that period, they were due for something else, because things had gotten bad again. And I think right now, uh, things have gotten bad again, and uh, something has to happen, but we, we kind of have to depend on God at the same time. Uh, we have to fight it wherever we see it. Yeah. By the way, 16th century would be Martin Luther. Okay. So a little 16th bit earlier century, than what I was saying. So 300 yeah. years after St. Francis. St. Francis, right, right. But but see, that's the point. Okay, sometimes the church itself needs renewal, but within broader society, uh, there's there's always this tendency for society to devolve exactly the way it's doing now. Yeah. It's the church that, that can bring new life to that and and to bring a better way to people that's i i don't feel like like any solution can be achieved outside of building back up the church and praying for the church yeah um i think i i guess if it does come from the church it's not in, in any time soon it's not going to come from the western world but although i do hear things about uh the african church and the mm-hmm. asian church right now Yep, but I guess I don't. It's going to have to come from the church to really push society as a whole. But uh, as you said, in our own families, we can continue push our boys be men and yep. not shield them or baby them, um, and show show example by right. accepting responsibilities, stopping to fight when you have to fight, even if you get your butt kicked. I guess. <laughs> yeah, being willing to take Things on some like pain. That. Yeah, yeah, take one, uh, yeah, the, they say for the team, so to speak. Take well, one you for know, the it's, team. It's Team Christ, right? It, right. Because it, that's, that's what matters. So. Right. I guess, uh, see. And teach our girls to expect that of men. Right. That's a big one. Um, I mean, see, I don't, I don't understand a whole lot here, but I don't think. I don't think women find it attractive of men to act like girls. I can't imagine. Yeah, that's... I uh, know that my experience with women is that uh, they find that disgusting. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, my own wife finds it <laughs> disgusting when, um, you know, if I start whining about things, it's kind of looked down upon. Yeah, uh, I mean, there's, you know, an expression, man up. Yeah. That, uh, is apropos in, in a lot of situations mm-hmm. uh, kind of, you know it's kind of reflecting on that i mean okay women really the the it's not womanly to complain either but um when you know a lot of times when a woman is i think a lot of times the uh, uh conflicts between men and women come up women are talking about problems they have okay there, there's a problem and what they're ta- what they're talking about is not the problem itself but they're the reason it's a problem for them. So they're going on, you know, with the complaints yeah. about it. And it, this is a relationship thing. Okay. They're just looking for a man who will understand them and let them do that and not get defensive about it and not get whiny and, and start bringing up his own counter list of complaints and stuff like that. Right. But they're also not necessarily looking for a man to start talking about solutions right away because they want to. No, you know, never. They don't. <laughs> but that's what men tend to do. They, don't they you want dare to, fix they, things. Well, for, who cares about your problems? Let me give you the solution to the situation. Yeah. <laughs> but you're minimizing. Uh, yeah, you know that's uh, you, 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 when you were saying that about about your wife. Uh, yeah. Telling you to man up when you get whiny. That just kind of reminded me of that. I was thinking about that earlier today. <laughs> um, see, the audience doesn't realize all the technical difficulties they ha- that we're having and uh they're gonna see a you know a 30 minute talk and they don't realize it's been like an hour for us oh yeah because <laughs> that's all gonna be cut out but um i think uh that's all i've got okay all right yeah that's you know that that's there there is a let, let's summarize a real problem with millennial wimpishness uh yeah. which in some parts is true wimpishness and some parts is laziness and some parts is just a fundamentally um incorrect attitude towards other people other human beings uh mm-hmm. a disdain for other types of human beings whatever you want to call it and the solution starts you know the solution is not some program the solution is 
our own families and the church. Yeah, and, and other relationships with men. Yeah, yeah. It it starts with us. That we've got to. We who recognize it have to just keep being models and examples, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, which may cause us to undergo some pain, discomfort. At some point. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, by the way, before we uh, get into the uh, current events, uh, last time we talked about jobs and work and that kind of stuff. And I meant to bring up and I forgot. I can't believe this. Apologies to St. Joseph that I forgot this. You know, we talked about, okay, if if you feel like the job isn't right for you, okay, you look for another job, but you've got to be patient. You've got to be persistent and pray. Yeah. And I prayed for months to St. Joseph before I got the job that I had. And, and I, there's a there's a, um, a novena prayer to St. Joseph that I use. I continue to pray that novena prayer every day. Uh, and the intentions, I, I have a, a, a kind of a uh, ongoingly uh, fluctuating list of intentions. Yeah. One of which is just thanking him for the blessings that I've received through his intercession. But, um, so I got this job at a company and it was a good job. It was a fun job, you know, doing things that I enjoy. I'm a software engineer, and they uh, they write software for devices that need to go through FDA approval. But here's the thing. Like six months after I joined the company, I had no clue that this was the case when I joined it. Six months after I joined the company, I went to the president of the company to ask, you know, whether I could get a small donation for my son, you know, for some missionary work that he was going to do. And the president said, well, you know, we have a foundation. I said, oh, no, I didn't know that. And he said, yeah, how, you know, how would $500 sound? Wow, it's very generous. Okay, cool. You know, so anyway, so then a couple weeks later, he gave a lunchtime presentation to the company to talk about the foundation, make sure everybody knew that it was there and what it was for and so on and so forth. This is a foundation. It's, it's supported. It's actually a fund that's run by a foundation. The fund itself is supported from profits uh, of the company, and the fund is a charity donation type fund. And it had, he listed four different um, types of uh, charities that they donate to, yeah. uh, to, you know, kind of guide the decisions of the foundation and, and the funds and stuff like that. The very first one was helping uh, single mothers and protecting the unborn. That's the very first one. The very last one was activities that support the Roman Catholic church. Huh? This is a company whose profits directly fund a Catholic foundation. They not, not run by associated with the church Catholic, but a foundation that is dedicated to supporting the church and yeah. the church's charity activities. Wow. So yeah, it's like St. Cool. Joseph came through for me in a way that I never even realized until six months later. I so heard J- St. Joseph's is, a slow mover. <laughs> well, okay, maybe I'm just slow on the uptake. But mm-hmm. my point is, uh, pray to St. Joseph if you think that the job you're in is not the job you need, and be patient about it. Pray to him every day and give him time to work. Yeah. So. I should have said that on our last podcast. I wanted to bring it up and make sure that it got out there. Okay. Sounds cool. All right. So, so what do you got? Current events. Um, all right. So there's this report from NASA that there's a huge meteor explosion in the Earth's atmosphere in December of 2018. Now, I don't understand why they're just now... I don't understand why they're just now telling us about it or... It's... It's one of the largest, it's 10 times more powerful than an atomic bomb, than the, the atomic bomb dropped in Hiroshima. Okay. So, uh, it's the second largest of its kind in 30 years. I don't understand why they're reporting it now. They're saying it was uh, largely unno- uh, unnoticed because it was uh, above Russia's, let's see if I could say this, Kamchatka. Oh. Peninsula. Uh-huh. Um, so I, that's kind of weird how they report that almost a year later. Like an afterthought? Year. Yeah, like, yeah. oh, by that, the way, there was weird. this giant explosion. Yeah. Unless they didn't actually see it happen, maybe they only have evidence that it happened. Based on some, some seismic uh, yeah. 
instruments or something like that. Yeah, it seems like could, all the do big... Do they think it was an explosion? Uh, I mean, could it have been like a, a meteor hit or something like that? that they're saying an explosion. Okay. The, the, it happens in the air when usually that when that happened. Yeah. Because as the meteor's falling, it's getting hot and it explodes, usually before it hits the ground. Ah, right. Okay. And the last time that happened, a really big one, it was in Russia. Yeah. It always happens in Russia. Uh, that's, well, that's... <laughs> it was, it broke buildings and stuff last wow. time. Um, I wish it would happen here. <laughs> well, like, actually, what I wish is that I could travel to where it happened. Because uh, what you do is you search the ground under those areas and you find meteorites. And oh, things. right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah, but, exactly. Uh Anyway, so that happened. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's this uh, President Trump. He recognized Israel's sovereignty over the Golan Heights. Yep. Which is a big thing. Huge yeah. thing. Uh, Syria seems kind of upset about it. And I'm, I'm sure a lot of, of those Eastern nations are. Yeah. Um, and the really odd things is that, that the Democrats have come out kind of against i think the democrats are going to lose the jewish vote i don't see how they can't at this point i know they're so you know especially with with it coming out about both democrat and left uh association with with very um outspoken um anti-jewish anti-semitic uh people and and organizations that i i don't think i don't see how a conscientious jew votes for democrats right or gives them money. Yeah, exactly. Which, you know, that includes a huge part of Hollywood. Yep. But I guess, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. I, I can't, I don't know. Right. Yeah, I still scratch my head at this, that the Democrats are being so bold about it. Well, we'll see. I mean, maybe they're yeah. playing a gambit. You know, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, remember Caesar Sayoc? Sayoc? How do you say that guy's name? Caesar Sayoc. He's that guy who was sending out... Uh, uh, mail bombs to Democrats. Oh, yeah. And they they found him in this van that had Trump posters all over it. But the it all looked like it had been kind of created just for show. That's what. Uh huh. Most people don't think he's an actual uh, right wing. Most people think he's a left. I think he's a left winger trying kinda, to make yeah. us look bad. That doesn't that doesn't sound too far off to me. I mean, look at the look at the the other. You know, Smollett. fake, fake right wing, <laughs> fake. Yeah, it, you know, attack hoaxes. Fits and stuff right in that, there. It does fit right in there. It it would just be one more of a kind. That it wouldn't surprise me at all to learn that 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 turns out to be the truth. Yeah. Well, he just pled guilty. Uh, yes. I think sixty five yes. felonies. Um, and I don't know. I don't even know if he's been sentenced yet. But. Uh, but nobody's talking about where you see it reported, like at CNN. You, you're not seeing much about where he stands, really. And it doesn't seem like anybody did any kind of real uh, journalism to, to figure out, is he really a right-winger? Yeah, what's, what's, his, what's his deal, exactly? And, of course, the big news right now, the Mueller report is oh, out. And that's right. what we always knew is <laughs> true... Joke. <laughs> I this hear the... that CNN, uh, CNN's Rachel Maddow mm-hmm. was crying over it. Oh, wow. Because because our president is not a traitor, so that's a yeah, good a, reason to yeah, cry. That's, that's the, the big, uh, that's the big sad news of the... <laughs> it's, but, you know, I mean, oh, gosh, that, I think that's, that's another, it's another example uh, this, the, you know, the, the, the whole Russian collusion trumped up, I'll, I'll go ahead and, and, and throw the pun out there, um, is just one more example of why we are so ready to suspect, you know, somebody like Caesar Sayoc as being just another, uh, you know, whether it's a patsy or, you know, some kind of yeah. not what it looks like on the surface deal. Right. So... Yep, that's. But you know, the, it's kind of funny because I think the people who were serious about getting on with running the country and and trying to do what's right, I, th- I think they never gave it much credence anyway. Yeah, they didn't. But uh, I, a lot of Republicans did, who yeah. could have done a lot of good in the meantime. if they had uh, stood yeah. behind Trump. And there will be some who still won't. Right, I think. 
I think for most of them, it was just an excuse not to. But mm-hmm. um, the thing is, everybody was so focused on it. I think Donald Trump got a lot done that he might not have gotten done if people weren't so preoccupied with the Mueller investigation. Yeah, yeah. Because he has That's done true. an awful lot. That's true. He's been very successful. That's, uh, you know, it's, I mean, I, I, I honestly think I, I'm... Uh, I'm beginning to think of him as as another Ronald Reagan. Yeah, definitely. I I'm starting to think of him as another uh, uh, Abraham Lincoln. It could be, could be. Uh, yes. Put Lincoln slavery, Trump abortion. If he manages to to keep on the track he's on, and, yeah. and things, uh, yeah, could be. I guess we'll see what happens. Yeah. So uh, let's. Yeah, that's all I got for. All right. Events. Well, I've uh, got so in Texas today. This is from the Nation of Nonsense. Uh, t- t- Texas uh, passed a bill is a few days ago legalizing it is now legal for children to run lemonade stands in the state of Texas. Oh yeah, I know where that How about comes that? from. <laughs> yeah, do you remember that? Some no, <laughs> some dude called the cops on this kid because he was running a lemonade stand. Was that in Texas? I I don't know if it was in Texas or not, but I know, like, within the past six months, it was a news item because, you know, like, local talk shows were all talking about it. And, uh, mm-hmm. I bet it was. Hey, there's the, probably a few states where that's a, an issue, but, you know, the... Uh... Somebody called the cops, and the and the cops came out, and I think they all bought lemonade. <laughs> some guy was just being a, a jerk. A and, jerk, uh, yeah, just, okay. I don't know, grumpy so, old man. So, who knows and but but today but but now uh it is legal um to for a child to set up a lemonade stand in the state of texas Previously, so you have to pay taxes though i don't know that's uh probably depends on the uh purpose whether he uh establishes himself as a not-for-profit organization or something it, like if i lived in texas i would get my kids to somehow take advantage of this and break out some giant lemonade restaurant oh yeah and make tons of money and be like no it's <laughs> just a lemonade stand <laughs> <laughs> all right did you ever hear that song uh hot dog stand no that it's a bluegrass song about a guy who his someone leaves him some property that's no good in the hills of tennessee and he oh he gets a loan and builds a giant hot dog stand and things start developing, and he's renting buildings out. And then his neighbor, uh, who's a farmer, his taxes go way up. And he says, and he's bound to sell, and I'll buy him out and build another hot dog stand. Oh. <laughs> I think it's called, it's by Mike, Mike Seeger, and it's called uh, My Uncle Died a Month Ago. I'll have to look that I think. up. It's a good song. Because he inherited the land. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. What do we got? Okay, so in New York City, uh, in Long Island, a woman was, it says, sucked down into her parents' grave. She was there to put put a wreath on the uh, tombstone, and a sinkhole opened up under her, and she was sucked down into the grave to her waist. Bounced her head on the uh, tombstone. Well, (laughs) here's what's here's what's interesting her quote she says or no uh the law her lawyer says getting sucked into your parents grave when you go to visit them on a cool december afternoon with the sun going down it's terrifying and traumatizing i would say so <laughs> that would freak me out in your into your parents grave under any circumstances whatsoever right, right. <laughs> It's terrifying and traumatizing. Because you're leaving home and you're thinking, my parents would be turning in their graves if they knew what I was doing. Or, and then you go there and you get sucked in. Sucked out in. Uh-oh, my parents still have a hold of me. Hell, sucked into any grave, but especially your parents. Yeah, your parents. That's worse than catching your parents having sex. Uh, yeah. That's terrible. I just can't imagine that poor woman. Jeez. Okay. And finally, uh, somebody has, there's a uh, cow on the loose near an Indiana Chick-fil-A. Uh, some people thought that it was a Chick-fil-A uh, advertising ruse. Like a promo? 
Uh, yeah, some kind of it was in Noblesville, uh, around Indianapolis, a, a city in the, oh, that's the close to you. kind of the north, yeah, northeast uh, okay. of Indianapolis, and uh, a cow was stopping traffic. The police tried to chase it down. I they never did catch it, at least from what I'm reading here. What do you mean they never caught it? It's unclear what what ultimately happened. All right, to I'm the cow. looking at a picture of it now. That's a big yeah. cow. That's <laughs> yeah. like a bull. <laughs> I know. That sucker. Uh, but huge. it doesn't have any horns. Uh, but yeah, I don't see an udder there, so could be a bull. Hmm. But um, <laughs> you know, one got loose in Shiviet. <laughs> oh, did one? Whose yeah. was it? It was a Harvest Home Parade, and uh, oh. Jason and uh, his buddy Todd had gotten up early to go to mass, and they were mm-hmm. walking back from mass, and the cops were driving around, and I think they saw it, and they waved over a cop and said, "There's a big white <laughs> cow over there," and the cops like, "Big white cow." <laughs> And they're like, yeah, there's a big white cow over there. And he kept saying it, big white cow, a big white cow. <laughs> he, he thought he thought they were on drugs. Yeah, no, well, they weren't that, they were like 10, well, not oh, they 10, were they kids. were like 12-year-olds. Okay. Yeah, they okay. were they, they were, were young I, kids. And so he thought they were just, him, they big had white an imagination. And kept, kept going, big white cow. <laughs> well, you know, there was that time a couple of goats got loose in Shivia, too. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I remember that, because I had to go clean up their mess. They went up to the... the and one, we, we mentioned last week that we owned goats in the middle of the city, but yeah, they'd get loose. It's ours we're talking about. And uh, they went up to the Ernst house, and they pooped all over the sidewalks. Oh, wow. And okay. Dad made me go uh, sweep it, it all up. up. Yeah, I don't remember that. I remember yeah, Jim Well, because you didn't have to clean it up. Yeah. Well, you know, our neighbor, who lived in the house you're living in now... He was so mad because they would get out and eat his tomatoes. Oh, yeah. He had, he was proud of those tomatoes, and the goats would wipe them all out in a matter of seconds. I, I think he always thought Dad would leave let him out on purpose so that Dad could grow bigger tomatoes. <laughs> you know, if I get goats here, I'm going to grow tomatoes. I'm going to let them eat here just, just in honor of Jim Bradfish. <laughs> all right. Okay. That's all I've got. All right. Well, that puts us, you know, like I said, it says an hour 15, but yeah, but uh, we had some technical problems we're along the way. <laughs> cut out a lot of that. So it's kind of a short podcast today, but um, think about what we said and circle the bead. Yep. And uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks, everybody. Bye.